Welcome to week three of Almost Honest Christians. Pray that you've been blessed as we've talked about confessing and confronting, and today we're going to talk about admitting. Which makes me think about something I've heard many times in my 21 years of schooling. Makes me think about something that I probably have said in my years of ministry and being a part of a team. Maybe you've heard it before at work too. Maybe it's something you heard from mom or dad, grandpa or or grandma, a relative, a family friend. And here's what it is. There's no such thing as a dumb question. Ever heard a teacher say that to you before? Maybe had a parent say it to you before? Maybe you had a colleague say it to you before, someone that you were working with or training under. Like there's no such thing as a bad question, a, a dumb question. If you don't know something, it's an opportunity to ask and gain knowledge. And yet here's me being honest, 21 years of schooling, eight years of pastor schooling, like digging into Greek and and Hebrew, there were many times, multiple times when I was almost honest. Like when I didn't get something, but I didn't ask. Like there probably been times at work as a pastor for all these 25 years now, and there are things that are going on, part of our operations here even at 922 are, you know, I, I think I know a lot and I have a pulse on a lot of things that are going on, but if I have to actually ask somebody else who's doing that, it might show them that I'm not so knowledgeable or maybe good at my job, I, I don't ask. Can I want you to think about that today? Like I think in life there are times, whether it's work-related, school-related, life-related, when we, we're fearful of, of, of raising our hand, admitting the truth that we don't know something. We nod our head, we kind of follow along, we, we fake it uh, because we don't want to give the impression that we don't get it. And perhaps there's no place more important than in our relationship with God, our spiritual life, where these two crossroads collide. The importance of gaining knowledge and the willingness or lack thereof of admitting when you don't have it. Like a lot of us will ask at work, right? Like if we don't get something, if we don't know something, like we'll ask because we want to get it right because we don't want to get fired. Like you might look dumb, you might feel like you're embarrassed, but you don't want to get fired so you ask. Like, you think about how important that is at times when we ask, even when we're willing to say, I might look foolish. There's a Mark Twain quote about questions. I think it's an ancient Chinese proverb as well. Like, you might look like a fool for five minutes, but if you ask, you won't be foolish going forward. (laughs) And yet in our spiritual life, sadly, all too often we don't. Which is why I want to lay out for you a compelling case to solve this problem. If you're taking notes today, here's what I want you to think about. Our potential problem, why this topic is is so important. Our potential problem is this when it comes to the Bible. Like this one really deals with the Bible, our relationship with it. When it comes to the Bible, some know much. Many know some, while few and others know none. Like, you can probably lump yourself into one of those three categories. Like, unless this is the first time you have ever set foot in a church, if this is the first time you've ever heard someone 
uh, speak about and open up the Bible, as we're going to do in a, a second, the odds are pretty good that for some of you, this is really new to you. You don't know much at all. You might be close to that bottom category. But for a lot of you, the Christian lifers who are here today, the ones who've done it repeatedly on a weekly basis, you grew up in it, you went to elementary school. Some of you went to Fox Valley Lutheran. You might be in that middle category, maybe in the higher category. Some know much, most know some, while others know none. Here's the two questions I want you to think about for just a second. Which category best describes you? Like, are you one, two, or three? And then I want you to think about, no matter which category you're in, what do you do when you don't know? Like, are you, are you a person who, who digs in and, and searches? Do you ask questions? Do you maybe not ask the question because you don't want to be embarrassed, look foolish? Like, what do you do no matter which category you're in? Because here's the thing, none of us know it all. Like, I, I would like to think that as a pastor, I'm in category number one. All of you should be saying, I hope you're in category number one. Like, we listen to you talk for 30 minutes, and we trust you with our kids and the education that, uh, that you're giving them in confirmation and instruction class. Like, some know much. I, I, I like to think I know a, a whole lot about the Bible, a whole lot about Jesus. I understand a whole lot of it, and yet... Even within that, some of our pastors know things that I don't know are better in certain areas that, than I am. Like, I'm just going to be honest. Like, if you want a, a question answered on the book of Revelation, I'm not your guy. I know it. I've read through it. I've studied it. I got resources on it. But Pastor Jim has taught it like four times, 20-week courses, in-depth, digging into the book of Revelation. Like, he knows much about that. So even within the categories, there might be some things that that you know more of than someone else knows. Which category are you, and what do you do when you don't know? Do you seek out answers, or do you remain quiet? Do you raise your hand, send an email, or you, do you sit on your hands and don't speak up? What, what is it that you do when you don't know? And I want you to think about why. Like a lot of the why behind the sin of this what, being almost honest, is pride. Like it's why teach, students don't ask questions in class. They, they don't want to look like they weren't paying attention. They don't want to give the impression that they're, they're not smart enough. They, their pride sometimes gets the best of them and they don't ask. Like what will the pastor think of me if I ask that question? I should know that question. I know he's talked about that 10 times. Like, what's the problem? Why, why don't we just admit it? I want you to think on that for just a second, but I also want you to see this truth. Like, why we included this week in this series, you might think, no kidding, yeah, we, we need to be willing to admit it and and. and and learn and, and grow. God wants us to grow, like the Ephesians, Paul wanted the Ephesians to grow. If you're taking notes, I want you to think about this today, the why behind the what of, of this week three in this series, Almost Honest, why God wants us to be totally honest Christians. Because God's goal for you is that you get it. That God doesn't want you to be in the dark, he wants you to be in the light when it comes to spiritual matters. God's goal is that you get it on who he is, what that means, 
the significance of it for you now and also for eternity. God's goal is that you get it. He didn't write the words down in the book so that you could be completely confused. Like he inspired them, has preserved them, so you and I can have them so that we can get it. And we're sinful human beings who live in a sinful world, therefore we will never completely get it. Like our sinful heart, our sinful mind might get in the way. There are things we won't understand, more be, might be hard to understand, but that doesn't mean God doesn't want you to get it. And when you don't, he wants you to admit it. Because there's so many wins that come from that. The Bible is filled with examples of, of just that, God's goal, wanting people to get it. I want to share them with you today to help reinforce this truth. And, and that's really my goal. Like, I'm probably not going to tell you something life-changing today that's going to turn you from the path of, of a specific sin back to God, that's going to overwhelm you with, with peace in the forgiveness that God gives. But I want to drive you to the word that God gives so that you can find those things on a regular basis. God wants you to get it in so many ways, at so many times, with so many different things. And here's the proof. Sections of scripture that reveal that to us. So as we dig into them, I'm going to use them to help reinforce that goal of God's and how that comes about, that you get it. So let's journey to Scripture. First, we're going to go to the book of Nehemiah. How many of you have ever read the book of Nehemiah? A couple. It's not the most popular book. It's an Old Testament book. It's closer to the end of the Old Testament. Uh, it's about rebuilding walls and God's people's return from their Babylonian captivity. So I'm going to try and show off all my Bible knowledge today on you. 530 B.C., God's people return from their Babylonian captivity. Remember, they had rebelled against God so many times uh, and, and over and over and over again. And finally, God said, enough's enough. Uh, the, the Babylonians came in, conquered the city, tore down the walls, destroyed and pillaged the, the temple of God and, and hauled many of them away. Like the famous story that you learned as a, uh, a kid maybe about Daniel in the lion's den is in that period of time when when God's people had been taken off into captivity, Daniel was, was gone and he was in that land of Babylon, later serving different kings because he remained behind. But in 530 BC, some of the Israelites were allowed to return, rebuild the walls, rebuild the temple. And that's where Nehemiah chapter 8 gives us insight about God's goal, wanting them to get it and how they got it. Nehemiah chapter 8, Nehemiah was the governor, Ezra was the high priest, Together, they were working to restore the city and build up God's people spiritually. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who are able to understand it. So he brought the, the law, the book of God, the Old Testament books of the Bible. He brought it out in their presence, and he read it aloud from daybreak until noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand and all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. The Levites, those were the uh, descendants of Levi. They were the, the, the ones who served under the high priest. They were the pastors of the day in the Old Testament. They instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn. Do not weep for all the people have been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Like that context of when this took place kind of helps you understand 
a little bit about what's going on. These people had been taken away from their homeland, most likely didn't have access and, and, and connections to the Word of God on a regular basis. Maybe they didn't have the scrolls with them in Babylon. It's also pretty good that many of them came from generations of people who had rebelled against God, where faith wasn't central in their family. They maybe had never heard it, never read it, never been instructed in it. And so as they hear in the Word of, the, of God, the law of God in the Old Testament, it cut them to the heart. They were weeping over the things they were hearing as they were being instructed in it. And the Levites again said, do not grieve, it's a holy day. So then all the people went away to eat and to drink, to celebrate with joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. Like God's goal is for you to get it. And one of the ways we get it is the instruction that is given. Like God's goal is for you to get it, which is why God has put people in place to help you get it. Like just think of the things you didn't know before you started kindergarten. Like from ABCs and one, two, threes and, and all the things, simple addition, all the things that you learned. You, you know how you learned that in kindergarten? It wasn't just like by sitting in the chair and Miss Jody showing up or Mrs. Bigelow coming into the room and all of a sudden, ah, you became knowledgeable in everything that a kindergarten needed. No, someone had to teach you it. That's why we go to school. And that's true for us spiritually. God's goal is for you to get it. But no matter where you're at in the spectrum, if you know much, you know some, or you know none, we need instruction in it to help us get it. That's why we do what we do here at 922, and we offer Sunday programming for your kids to help you as parents share Jesus with them so that they get it. That's why we encourage you parents to, to read it, talk about it in your home so that, so that they get it. They need instruction in it. That's why even your one-year-old, your two-year-old can hear a story about Jesus, the cross. Jesus loves me. He died for me. They get it as they're instructed in it. It's why we pray that you will come to church and gather regularly so that we can teach you and instruct you and, and, and dig into God's word with you so that you get it. It's why you're more than encouraged to join a growth group with Pastor Jim on Sundays or midweek, why you get into life group to dig deeper into the Bible, why your grow root is so important, why we produce plans so that it can help you in it and put resources on our website to, to help you get it. Like God wants you to get it. And it was he who gave some to be pastors, some to be evangelists, some to be teachers to help people, God's people get it. That God's goal is for you to get it. Part of humility is understanding there are others who, who know more and their instruction will help me get it. It's how God accomplishes his goal. Thank God for the people in your life, the pastors or teachers, the parents, the friends who instructed you so that you get it. So that when you read it, it might cause you to weep at times over what breaks God's heart, but might fill you with joy over what God has done, the great things God has done, like we just sang about. That's proof number one. Throughout history and time, God has given teachers of the law, pastors and teachers in the New Testament church, because in order to get it, you need to be instructed in it. Which leads to proof number two. In order to get it, you truly do need to understand it, or it does you no good. 
Like the Apostle Paul got this. He understood it. Like the Christians in Corinth, this is about 50 AD. Uh, Paul had, had spent a lot of time in the city of Corinth teaching and instructing them. And they were dealing with a lot of issues and they had messed up a lot of things. And one of them was this. So it is with you, he said, unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I'm a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. Which led Paul to say this, God's goal is for you to get it. I thank God that I speak in tongues, different languages. God blessed Paul with the ability to probably speak in Greek, probably could speak in Latin. He might have been able to speak in other languages, spiritual gifts that God gave to the early Christian church as Christianity went from Jerusalem to Samaria, uh, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. But in the church, the apostle Paul said, like, I can, I can speak in different languages more than all of you maybe put together, but in the church, the house of God, I would rather speak five intelligible words than show off and instruct others with 10,000 words in a different language. Five intelligible words is far greater than 10,000 words in a different language. Like in order for you to get it, you have to be able to understand it. Let me give you an example. How many of you get that? There, there might be some of you who are in here today who learned how to speak Spanish. Maybe you're really fluent in it. Maybe you, you've utilized it, you utilize it for work. The first one is Spanish. But my, the odds are pretty good that 99% of us in here today won't get it. Next one, Bulgarian. Does anyone honestly get it? Like, ever spoke it? Understand it? The next one is French. Like, I could speak in a pretty cool French accent and sound impressive, but I couldn't translate that for the life of me. The last one is Chichewa, an African language, a, a dialect of dialects. And in Africa, there are so many different languages. Like, all, all those are ununderstandable to me, probably mostly to all of you. It's going to do you no good. But you know what it is? It's the same thing I just spoke. It's 1 Corinthians 14, verse 19. Five intelligible words trumps 10,000 in a different language. Like, different languages, if you don't understand them, will not help you get it. Like, you need to read it in a language you understand. God's goal is for you to get it, so we as pastors who, who might know more of it need to at times be very careful about how we speak in, about it. Like, I can show off you some big fancy words, impress you with all the pastor jargon and, 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 and things, but it, if you don't get it, if you don't understand it, like subjective justification and objective justification, like universal teachings of of this, that, and other thing. If you don't get it, if I speak in fancy words and it's un understandable to you, I've done you no good. Like God's goal is for you to get it. In order to get it, you have to be able to understand it. Depending on what age you are, where you're at, what you can handle, it has to be spoken in a way, learned in a way, use resources that help you get it. Like it's God's goal. But sometimes there are things that hinder it. Because if you can't understand it, you'll never get it. And that's why it's so important to be not just almost honest, but 100% honest. Like it, if we as pastors 
speak something that you don't get because it's over your head or, or we used a Greek phrase or, or we used a fancy pastor word. Shame on us. It's not our intent. Be honest and, and ask. Because God wants you to get it. He wants us to help you get it. He uses instruction to help people get it. Which leads me to proof passage number three to just reinforce this on your heart. Like, let's stop being almost honest. Let's stop faking it uh, until we hopefully can just pass through confirmation class or when we get to that point, not asking anymore. Here's what God wants us to have on our heart. He, he uses people to instruct us in it. He wants us to understand it. But sometimes we have to be 100% honest and just ask. The story of the man, the Ethiopian man on the way back home, as Philip was sent by God to encounter him, God sent him to the, the, the chariot that he was in. And Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading the prophet Isaiah. Now he was a Christian. He had gone to Jerusalem to worship. So he knew who God was. And yet he, would, and he could read the, the Hebrew or whatever the language of Isaiah 53 was open to. But when asked by Philip, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I unless someone explains it to me? He couldn't understand it, even though he could read it, because he needed to be instructed in it. He didn't understand what was being said by it. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Like, here's the truth, the honest truth, the take-home truth for today. God's goal is for you to get it. Can I put on your heart, can I, can I cause you to stop and pause today and stop being puffed up by pride, Instead, be filled with humility and be willing to ask when you don't. And here's your big takeaway, honest truth. If, if you don't get it, it's okay to admit it. I struggle with this too. Like, I might know a lot. I, I want to be impressive when you ask me a question, but it's okay for me to admit it when I don't. I'll find a resource. I'll ask a question. I'll turn to someone else who might have knowledge in it to help me get it so I can impart it to you. It's, it's okay if you don't. We're sinful human beings. Some things in the Bible are really hard. Some things require explanation and insight. Some things require us to dig into the original language of the Bible to see what was really there so we can understand it better. Like all these things are important things. If you don't get it, it's okay to admit it. Because God's goal is that you do. And here's why. Like, if I can convince you in your confirmation classes, your, your religion classes, if you're at school here or at Fox Valley Lutheran, if, if you are in a growth group or a life group or, or you're reading through one of our reading plans, I, I hope and pray that you see the why behind being honest Christians when it comes to admitting if you don't get it. Like, here's the honest truth. Paul wrote to a a fellow pastor named Timothy, someone I think he took along the way from not knowing much to knowing some, to, to knowing a whole lot, who then was teaching it to others. He said, Timothy, as for you, continue in what you have learned to become convinced of. Like one of the things about getting it is remaining in it. Like faith is, is something that is not static. It's never sta it's, it's not something that stays in one place and doesn't have to, to move at all. It's always moving. It's either growing and getting stronger or it's getting weaker and the fruit is getting less. So Timothy, you, you've got a lot of it. You know a lot of it. Continue in it. Like that's part of getting it because you know from whom you've learned it and how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures, and this point is huge, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Why does God want you to get it? Why is God's goal for you to receive instruction in it? Why does God say it's so important to the Apostle Paul? Like five intelligible words 
Trump 10,000 impressive ones in a different language. Why was it so important for the Ethiopian man on that way to understand the book and who was being talked about in Isaiah 53? Jesus, the Savior who came and died on the cross, because God wants you to get it because he doesn't want you to miss that. Salvation. God wants you to get it because he wants you to get there. He wants you to know the amazing story of Jesus Christ, God's promised son who came to earth, born of a virgin. That's why we confess things like creeds that help summarize it for us to, to reinforce it so that we can get it and hold on to it. God doesn't want you to miss out on the most amazing thing ever, eternity with him. God wants you to get it because in this life you will have trouble and the devil will tempt you. So he wants you to know God's promises and his presence and what he has in store for you down the road. When you're in the face of death, when you're dealing with guilt or shame, God wants you to get it about who Jesus is and what his victory means for you. All scripture is God-breathed. Every last word comes from him. Every last drop uh, in the Bible is God's. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God not only wants you to get it so that you get there because he's saved you, he also wants you to get it so that you can bless people here to correct, to teach, to instruct. Like your life impacts others. So when you know the book, when you know the commandments, when you know God's call to action, when you, when you know the truths about baptism and the Lord's Supper and what you're receiving uh, in it, the, the blessings that God longs you to give, God wants you to all get it. So I don't know where the starting point is for you. Maybe it's to take starting point with Pastor Michael so that you go from none or a little to more. But God wants you to get it. That's his goal. Like worshiping regularly, why do we encourage you in it? Because here we spend 30 to 35 minutes, I know some of you are like way too long, 30 to 35 minutes teaching and instructing you in the book so that you can get it. Because God wants you to never forget it. It's why we will celebrate and talk about what, what the Lord's Supper is, what baptism is, because God wants you to get it so that you get those blessings and, and appreciate them and know them for what they are. And God wants you to live it so that you can bless others in it. Like, that's God's goal, which leaves me with this. Like, God wants us to be honest Christians. It's okay to admit it if you don't get it. Pastor Tim, 922, all of us. But I want you to not only remember God's goal, I want you to remember this goal, 922's goal. Our goal is to help you grow. Our goal is to help you grow. To, to be more rooted, to have strong Jesus roots. It's why we design our series the way that we do so that as we teach and as we instruct, you are blessed and God's goal is accomplished. It's why we debate the ROI of all of those grow plans that Pastor Mike invests time in, videos, layouts. Is it worth it? Does it help you get it? And we believe it does. That's why we are putting energy behind Pastor Bill and family ministry and the, the thing called solid ground so that we can help you, instruct you, lead in your homes so that not only you but your kids get it. It's why we want you to be in a group and maybe you want to grow in your knowledge of it, Pastor Jim, at 9 o'clock, while you come here at 9 o'clock, maybe look at the list of topics sometime, and maybe one speaks to you, and come to 1030 and, and go to that at 9 o'clock. Right now he's doing Hebrews. You know what the book of Hebrews is all about? Jesus is greater than anything, everything. 
Sound like a cool book? Something God wants you to get? Like our goal is to help you grow. And if you don't get it, it's okay to admit it. Send us an email. Talk to us after church. Our time is not limitless, but but we will use our time to bless you and help you grow because God's goal is what we want to see happen for you. And sometimes the only way that that can happen is that we get totally honest and own it and admit it that there are times when we don't know it. Because when you do, I believe that you'll be blessed. God promises he'll bless you. And I pray that God blesses our goal to help you grow because God's goal for you is that you get it. I pray this series has blessed you, almost honest Christians. Maybe it's pushed you and nudged you to to consider the importance of being honest when it comes to confessing, confronting, and now admitting. Because I believe this, personally and as a church family, we'll be blessed and better when we become honest with him and with one another. Join me in praying for that. Heavenly Father, I don't like to admit it. Like, I, I don't want to show weakness. I don't want people to think I don't know something. I, I struggle, Lord, with, with admitting it when I don't know it. But your goal is for all of us to get it. You want to make us wise for salvation. You want us to be able to correct and to teach and instruct and, and bless others in our life. Because when we get it, we're spiritually blessed. Our, our roots are stronger. Our, our, the fruit is evident. So, Lord, I, I pray for our church I pray for each and every one of us here today that you would work on our hearts to be humble and not puffed up with pride, be honest, and admit it when we don't get it so that your goal can be accomplished, that you can be praised, and that in the process, our our Jesus roots might grow. Bless our goal, Lord, as we carry them out to accomplish your goal, to make people wise for salvation, so that not only do we get it, but one day when you call us home, we get the ultimate gift. We get it, the crown of life that's awaiting us.